Hello and welcome back to Great Takes Less Filling by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go a you fur. With me this fine Saturday where nothing bad happened is U Street. Hey y'all. So I'm just gonna play a little game with you, Street. I want you I want to see how many times back and forth we can go with words that accurately describe the offensive line play today. I will start. Terrible. Tire fire. Atrocious. Hot garbage. Uh, catastrophic. Dreadful. Unbelievable. Unacceptable. Fucking horrible. Abominable. I don't want to do this anymore. God awful. Despicable. Substandard. Not elite. All right, let's, seriously, let's, let's stop. Let's stop. Okay, so a couple things about this game. The offensive line was really bad. I mean, there, and, and I should, we should, we should be clear to distinguish two different levels of really bad. There was the offensive tackles who were horrible all game long. And then there was the rest of the offensive line, which was like doing the normal, like upsy downsy. Sometimes they're bad, sometimes they're good kind of thing. But in pass pro, I mean, Sam Schluter and Donnell Green got worked all game. All game. Like, I swear, there was not a single time Zach dropped back that he didn't get hit, knocked down, touched. And it was just... I'm Obviously, not every single one of those is due to the tackles, but oh my goodness. Like, oh my goodness. It was just terrible. They were, they were very bad. And they're very bad in a way that... I will say, to back up for a second, that... As bad as the execution of this game was, and it was bad in all, well, in two or three phases, uh, we're going to say positive things about the punter and the kicker here a little bit later. But two of the three phases, it was bad. And when it's bad in the way that it was bad, first and foremost, that's a coaching failure. So I think the the true sort of people who deserve the most responsibility for this game, obviously PJ Flex, since he's the head coach and takes full responsibility for the program, something that Maryland seems not to understand in its current investigations. After that, though, uh, Kirk Sharaka and Rob Smith got straight up worked by their opposite number on the Maryland sideline. Sharaka's game plan was bad. Rob Smith's game plan was disgustingly bad, and Matt Canada at all exploited the hell out of him all game. Couple that with obviously the pick six to come out of the end of, of the half, and, and this you know the game's over. But as uh, as Tim Beckman I think says, you know, apart from five or six plays, they played pretty well. <laughs> it just so happens the five or six plays this time were like a bunch of massive. Huge explosive plays, three of which were touchdowns. Minnesota is not a good football team this year. Obviously, before the season, we were thinking a good season for Minnesota is making it to a fringe bowl. So six and six is your number. I think there was also a general tenor around the program that if they got out of the conference non-conference schedule at two and one, everyone was going to be pretty happy. So to be three and one after four games is not in some sense off schedule if you're trying to find six wins on the season. I think everyone, obviously including us earlier in the week, thought that Minnesota would not play this badly and that Maryland would not play this well. And I go back, that has to be in some sense, that's got to be a coaching problem. Which is not to say the execution was particularly good either. The execution was miserable. As you mentioned, Chris, the offensive line was horrifically bad all game. To the point that uh, Minnesota was getting beat by three-man rushes. 
regularly. And Zach Anixad is not 100%. I'm not going to say like where he is, but there's no way he's 100%. He's throwing off his back foot. He was skying certain passes that he probably wouldn't have skied. His deep balls remain uh, challenging, to say the least. But when you have a true freshman quarterback, particularly a true freshman quarterback who is injured, it is incumbent upon their offensive line to protect them. And Minnesota's offensive line is not doing that. And until Minnesota's offensive line does that, there is literally no reason why any defense whatsoever should not just key in all game. Minnesota's not going to score a whole lot of points this year. And as bad as the defense played, and I thought it played badly today, uh, the defense kid would have to basically be Alabama good to survive that as long as uh, the offense isn't able to put up points. I was going to try to come bring a ray of sunshine, but I'm going to ask you to expand on some negative thoughts. Uh, what, what specifically about the, the, the coaching, the scheme this week for offense and defense did you find so problematic? It's no secret that Maryland likes to run off the edge and use their speed. They really like the jet sweep. Minnesota did not have an answer for that. Admittedly, one of the other problems that Minnesota does not seem to have an answer is the turf at Maryland, which constantly is injuring Antoine Winfield. And I'm sure that meant that you had on-field adjustments that had to happen. So I'm not suggesting that Rob Smith's job was easy. Uh, I am suggesting that the number of missed tackles in this game because people were taking bad angles is first and foremost an alignment problem ahead of time, which is a film room problem and a way you prepare. And the team was not prepared to be successful this week. They didn't execute either, but they were definitely not prepared to be successful. On offense, I mean, in some sense, maybe just the offensive line right now is not particularly good, so you're only working with the talent you have. But, come on. Donnell Green is not a bad offensive lineman. There are people who believe he has, you know, potentially late-round NFL aspirations, and he got worked all game. Sam Schluter uh, currently does not have NFL aspirations and was playing so badly that they were slotting tight ends to cover for him, and then the tight ends weren't reading their blocks either. And so on two plays in the second half, Anixted gets knocked down on the first one and then knocked down on the second one from the exact same guy. In defense of Maryland's turf, it was TCF Bank Stadium's turf that ate Winfield last year. Yeah, Maryland was Maryland was involved. I'm just saying. You're right. No, you're right. You're don't, right. Don't besmirch the turf, man. I did. I did not prepare effectively for this podcast. I will change my best, which hopefully the team will do uh, in the bye week. I don't think the bye week could have come at a better time for this team because uh, to get smacked that badly, you can definitely take it one of two ways. You have a very young team, and a team that has, has talent, but is admittedly a very young team, and it's a team that's current quarterback is injured, able to play but injured, having a week off to regroup, certainly hopefully having a week off for whatever Antoine Winfield's injury is, which we hope is not serious, so to give a week off to rehab that as well will be super helpful. I thought on offense, too, Shiraka's uh, attempt to attack with jailbreaks and bubble screens were just not working. The wide receivers were not able to block Maryland's defenders, and so that was just a a going-nowhere-fast situation. There were several strange series of play calls, including the one where... uh, you're down a bunch of points in the first half. You run up the middle for a little bit. You run off the edge for nothing. And then you bring in Seth Green on like third and 11. Yeah, that was, um, yeah. So it, it's, it's things like, it's things like that. 
And it's some sense, I mean, obviously, as we have mentioned many times, we are not experts. I can assure you that Kirk Shiraka has forgotten more about football in the last week than I will probably ever know. With that said, it is confusing to me why Minnesota was not attempting to attack Maryland's defense horizontally in manners other than a jailbreak screen. You got quick outs, quick drags, quick curls. There were several times where, based on how Maryland seemed to be playing, that if you had some kind of levels concept, you could have freed up someone in a similar way as you would do with a jailbreak, get someone in space. They did that late to Bateman. He got a big gain off it. Those are the things that I think is from a, from a preparation standpoint. When you get when you get your butt kicked, 42 to 13, lots of different things went wrong. Those were the ones that were immediately obvious. Also, the offensive line remains terrible. All right, good news. Good news. Um, Jacob Herbers has clearly gotten over whatever thing he had going on, knock on whatever that it doesn't come back. Because, I mean, if this if the Gophers had been playing well, Herbers was doing his work to make sure that the defense could flip the, uh, to, to flip the field so that the defense could make stops and, and even an anemic offense could have better field position. Uh, unfortunately... There were not that many stops, um, and when there were stops, Maryland's punter is also good, um, and Minnesota just never really got anything going on offense. Um, on the other side, Emmett Carpenter, when called upon, uh, continues to be uh, very, very consistent, um, and that's you know not, not 53 yarders or anything today. I mean, he's not going to win special teams player of the week, certainly, but... Uh, you know, in a game where everything else is going wrong, when you can have specialists come in and execute and do the things that they have to do right, that's not going to get overlooked. Um, I, I wish we could overlook it because we scored 72 points, but you take the wins where you got them. At least that's how I look at it. If uh, if that wasn't clear, Chris and I agree that Emmett Carpenter and Jacob Herbers are nectons of the week. Yes. For the race to maturity, I will give it to Chris Oppenbell, who had a quite strong second half, finished with four receptions for 17 yards, almost five uh, for a hundred. Unfortunately, dropped a ball that Annexta threw in a dime into double coverage and. Uh, just couldn't quite come down to it. It's possible that a Maryland player may have been on his back, but Maryland was quite physical all game and was getting regularly called for holdings and pass interference. So also, I suppose, nectons of the week to the officiating crew, which I thought did a legitimately good job this week, uh, calling everything on both sides of the ball. It's always great to know that when your team gets spanked 42 to 13, uh, if anything, the officials were too nice to you. Yeah, I guarantee Maryland fans are... What do they get, like 132 yards in penalties or something? The University of Maryland had 10 penalties for 118 yards, which uh, for an extended part of the game was more yardage than Minnesota had thrown through the air. There is admittedly a trade-off because quite a few of those penalties were defensive pass interference penalties, but nonetheless. Ah. Yeah. Any any positive? Like, can you, uh, short of the special teams, do you have anything that that you take as a positive coming out of out of this week? Yeah, it's over, and they don't have to go back to College Park. <laughs> I think it's. I think I'm sure there's the positive in the sense that you get to see mistakes on defense, and you get to put things on film, and you get to adjust. I think this team still has talents. This was a potentially given 
all that has happened during this season so far, you may have said maybe you can steal a win in College Park and you're 4-0 at this point heading into the Iowa game. That's not going to happen. So it becomes a little bit more difficult to figure out which wins on the schedule are stealable, and the margin was already slim. So I think that it, that's obviously a bummer, but I suppose you get some film work out of it. You get to see things that are wrong, and I think the team probably has a lot of internal resilience. There's a lot that's been talked about. The team is very close, not super positive. So it's possible they come out into a rivalry game and do, in essence, what Maryland did this week versus coming off that Temple loss the week after, which would be or the week before, which would be great. But it's hard to look at the particular stats of this game and say, you got 263 total yards of offense, Anixted goes 14 for 32, the receivers drop, I think, two to four balls, there are four balls that are tipped at the line, so that potentially should be a little bit higher but the yards per pass is 5.3 he's got through two interceptions one of which was just obviously bad the other one was bad but somewhat excusable because it's late and it's a fourth down you kind of have to throw it and also his offensive tackles were getting him killed so you know who cares the team rushed for 2.3 yards a carry admittedly some of that involves sacks but overall a really miserable offense they only had one penalty so i guess that's good it's an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty not great i loved uh coughlin trying to explain like just explain it to fleck and you can see fleck just going i don't care i don't care it's an unsportsmanlike penalty unsportsmanlike conduct penalty i don't care what your rationale is uh, I think for me, one and only bright spot, that drive at the end of the first half. That was, I think, the, if we if we want to be optimistic about how the team can play, that's how the team can play. Will they play like that very often? Not if the offensive line keeps uh, doing what they do. But um, that was that was certainly a, a momentary bright spot, followed by you know a pick six to start the half. But well, you know whatever. And I, I should say, we should very much also give credit to Maryland. Uh, I've, I've done it before. Maryland played Maryland played quite well in this game. Their defense was excellent. They clearly had a lot of speed, and they were using it effectively. Uh, they, they played really well. I, I don't think that Maryland's going to you know, light up the conference or anything. I don't really think there are that many good teams in the Big Ten period. But it wasn't as if... Minnesota put this up against, say, like Miami of Ohio. It's more that coming off last week when you were 3-0 and and thinking like, oh, the Maryland played really bad. Maybe you get to be 4-0, and and now you only have to find two games on the schedule to win, and I might be able to come up with at least two winnable games to be in a situation now where I think bowl eligibility this year is very important, especially for recruiting momentum going forward. Fleck and Co. are clearly great recruiters. It's still hard to consistently recruit on below 500 football. If if you won this game, the likelihood is maybe you get seven wins this year. Like maybe you're still saying the three the three games that I put on the schedule as possible wins remain possible wins, and now I got I got another one. Seven and five is way better than six and six. But it isn't as if they lost to Miami of Ohio. They lost to they lost to a decent football team. It's unfortunate they lost hilariously badly to a defensive football or a good football team, but they lost to a good football team. Yeah, I, I mean, it's 
that's where the you know interesting thing I can point to in all all my comments coming into the game is Maryland's talented. I'm hoping they play poorly, and my bet was that they were going to continue to play not as poorly as you know a Temple loss, but certainly not what they did, which was good. I think another bit of this game that's clear is Minnesota right now does not have a explosive playbook yet. And they don't seem to have one for a couple of reasons. One, Zach Anikstead remains somewhat weak on deep throws. So that's not yet a weapon in the Gopher playbook. With obviously the loss of Rodney Smith, Bryce Williams and uh, Muhammad Ibrahim are both serviceable, but they're not top Big Ten backs. So they don't have just the offensive playmaker yet on offense to do what Maryland did in this game, which is I can give the ball to Anthony McFarland or Ty Johnson and they're just gone. Minnesota does not yet have that player. And then at the same time, you have three turnovers. You can't turn the ball over three times and expect to win. You particularly can't turn the ball over three times and expect to win when you are not a tremendously good football team. And on that sunny note, go Gophers. Sky Yuma, row the boat.